0: Welcome to Rehab Within Reach. We are your host, Dr. Chrissy Rankin, physical therapist and CrossFit Level 1 coach. And I'm Dr. Sarah Nelson,
1: a physical therapist, and I'm board certified in women's health and lymphedema therapy, and I also hold a master's degree in orthopedic manual therapy.
0: And I'm Dr. Shona Craig. I'm also a physical therapist, a board certified women's health clinical specialist certified lymphedema therapist, and yoga teacher.
1: We are a collective of women from various backgrounds who support each other and the community around us that have one thing in common, therapy solutions. This podcast will be addressing how the body, mind, and spirit work together to create our current state of being while offering a refreshing approach to how to create harmony within each system. Our treatment philosophy is to empower people through education by combining modern evidence-based practice with our innate primal wisdom in order to promote body literacy and compassion in your personal healing journey.
0: Even though our professional background started in physical therapy, we take an integrative and holistic approach by addressing all systems of the body in order to bridge the gap between the current medical model in the United States and your ability to make autonomous decisions to achieve independence and wellness. This podcast is meant to challenge you to think in ways that may feel uncomfortable at first, but don't worry. Remember, our goal is to provide resources in order for you to make the best decisions for your well-being, which may go against what most of our society suggests is quote-unquote healthy or correct. As a reminder, this podcast does not replace the medical examination, assessment, and plan of care from a licensed medical provider who has seen you personally. Let's get started. That sounds good. (laughs) Okay. Okay. We're
1: doing fun questions today. Woo! Yes. We were were talking about what we could talk about, and some things are pretty heavy (laughs) yeah so we're gonna go pick happy things so the question is what does joy feel like and how do you describe joy to someone who has never experienced it now that's
0: assuming we've experienced joy (laughs) that is true too I was just going to say like how sad I mean the only people that I think that could potentially truly never feel joy would be a psychopath because supposedly they have no emotions, right. Or they have no ability to comprehend emotions. Um, But I also think they would feel joy.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it would be interesting to talk to a psychopath about What is joy?
0: There is a... We managed to find a dark side to joy. Oh, my gosh. That (laughs) would be fascinating. There's a show on the ID channel that is signs of a psychopath. And it's as related to, obviously, crime. And um, they have uh, like forensic psychologists and psychiatric people who... um, will or were the ones that actually interviewed psychopaths or they um or they uh look at the interviews that they gave and then like diagnose or give their opinion about you know that and definitely uh not a lot of joy is talked about in that show so that would be interesting to hear about their perspective of non-crime related feelings And not just psychopath, but
1: sociopath, right?
0: Yeah. 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 They're both seem to be void of the feeling, the typical feelings that we would think of. Yeah.
1: Well, then I think the intensity of emotion may vary from person to person. Oh, for sure. Some people feel it much, feel things much more intensely.
0: Yeah. My parents always, um, or more my mom, like, would always point out how, when I was a kid growing up, like, I didn't, like, outwardly express a lot of my emotions, whether even if it's joy or sadness or anything like that, I was, like, pretty level, the like, all the time, and so, like, even if, if we went to, like, Disney World, like, you know those commercials that they, like, tell the kids, like, oh, we're going to Disney World, and they had no clue, and they just, like, are freaking out, Like I never showed that. Um, I think now I've expressed my emotions way better than I ever used to. But as a kid, like I was just pretty, pretty flat. So, yeah. Very
1: kapha. So in the world of doshas, (laughs) yeah, 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 very level for sure. It's a good feature. Um, That's a judgment, though, too. As because I'm on the, I'm very emotional, (laughs) yeah, yeah. So I think I, I think I, yes, I historically feel emotions quite intensely. Um, boy, I don't know if I've ever said it here, but um, like I remember a time in um junior high just laughing hysterically in the middle of like, I think it was a math class or something like that. And all they'd have to say to me, like my fellow students, they just look at me and say banana. And then I was like off and (laughs) laughing Um, and I couldn't control my laughter. And that's kind of describes a lot of my experience (laughs) where I would just feel things so intensely. And then I did this thing Called Human Design America, mm-hmm. and it's it's a uh, um, this guy had this insight into uh, this mapping of people's um, pattern, you know what you're what you're born with, mm-hmm. and it's a combination of I Ching, astrology, the horoscope. Uh, a number of things brought together, and it's not—it's not a prediction of your future. Oh, your stars say you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. It's more about oh, when um, the way that you're going to know something's right for you is you're—you're going to get this feeling in your sacrum that says yes or no. You know, it is how to read your signals that you're moving in the correct direction for your life, or whatever. Um, And and one of the things in this thing said uh, what what they look at the the chakras or the energy centers, there's there's many energy centers in the body. But in this one system, there's seven, not just his system, the one that's referenced most in Western uh, world are the seven chakras through the center of the body, seven energy centers through the center of the body. And this thing looks at, are they open? Or are they closed? So my solar plexus is open. And apparently that's like, oh, he says, oh, you're going to feel other people's emotions times two. Mm-hmm. Oh, he said, if you don't, if you're not sure if it's yours or not, just walk out of the room. And if you feel better than you know that that you're just picking up on other people's stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. And that was life changing. Oh, <laughs> well, I bet. I've actually just recently came across human design um and I'm definitely intrigued by it, so I'm gonna have to go maybe get one of the books that people recommend for it. It was wonderful it i there were several
1: things in that that just helped me you know it was for part of my mental health mm-hmm. and um to you know it and I wonder how many people are out there. <clears throat> that are just like that. And <clears throat> so busy being labeled pathologized with psychological disorders, instead of being taught how to manage this intense sensation of emotion. Uh, my my mother um, was just like that, maybe more so. And at, at one point in her life, she started drinking more. Mm-hmm. And it numbs that out. Yep. And it was what is all she had uh to manage to manage her emotions, and of course, it was destructive. So it's not a very good. Yeah. It's not a good long-term tool. Um. Uh, so,
0: <clears throat> joy. Yeah. Coming back around to joy. <laughs> yeah. I think it's definitely more of a feeling than a, than words, right? I mean, it's, it's primal. It's deep down. It's I like, those uh, words. Word? Um, it's unconditional. I think everyone's definition of joy would be, and what brings them joy is different. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely different. It's like, better than happy, right? It's I, think, I like
1: the word unconditional. Like hmm. the outward condition of things does not matter.
0: Yeah, I think that maybe that's what happy is, right? Is more conditional, whereas joy is unconditional. I think it feels like
1: happy is part of joy, you mm-hmm. know, when joy is present. But joy has no... It just doesn't matter. Because I can uh start a day with all the same circumstances and my mood will vary, you know, so when joy shows up, <laughs> I was very grateful for that, you know, just, I know it's because I was riding my bike to work and I felt just a lot of joy one day riding the bike, but it wasn't every day.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you seen uh, that Disney movie Inside Out? Yes, oh my gosh. I watched that with with a friend of mine um who who's you know older than me and we were we watched it together and you know here we are both on the either side of the couch like crying because we're like, oh my gosh, this movie is perfect and i I wonder if they did like a like a survey of who liked the movie and who didn't, or who got it more. Um, I could see adults uh, finding a lot of, a lot of connection to that movie more than children. Um, Cause yeah. they look back and think, Oh my gosh, like, I'm not like this anymore and what happened to me and all that kind of stuff. So.
1: Yeah. Um, there's a movie right now called turning red. I haven't watched it mm-hmm. yet but it's about a 13-year-old girl who turns into a giant red panda whenever she gets too excited. <laughs> I I love that they're making these movies about emotion and to help us understand ourselves.
0: Yeah, Encanto, I haven't seen a lot of the newer stuff either, but I I hear a lot of talk about them and Encanto and was was kind of like talking about generational trauma and uh, and when you don't like address it, like what can happen? And I'm like, oh my gosh, what like deep, deep meaning, you know, I grew up on beauty and the beast, like, which is about Stockholm syndrome. Like, (laughs) like like, what's the difference between the two? Right. Um,
1: And, and standards of beauty. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. I heard in Encanto too, that, uh, one of the characters is like a super like buff, like strong woman Mm -hmm. character. And at first, like Disney did not want to make her so large uh, because she, she didn't fit the, what their usual woman figure um, is in their movies. And uh, the, the creators like didn't budge on that one, which good for them. And then I heard that, like the first month of afterwards that character's merchandise like sold out um, oh, wow. because they didn't have enough because they didn't think that people would relate to it as much. And then people are just like, no, like this is exactly what we're wanting. These, these not everyone fits the box that you put people in. So.
1: Yeah. And letting women be strong when, you know, when they're like, if you're born with a kaffa body, you're going to be, you're going to be solid and you have potential to become very compact, um, like good musculature. And, um, so those women can just try if they're trying to fit into that beauty. Yeah. Yeah. What a waste of energy.
0: Oh, oh man. (laughs) This is a lot, like a lot's like my past memory. So please um, interject to when you, um, so I I was at the gym coaching and I was talking to one of the members and they were talking about how like they don't really run anymore because it just doesn't feel good to them. And I, when I was in college, I my sophomore year, I ran a half marathon um and it was one of those like, I'll chuck it off the list, you know, kind of a thing. And when I really thought about it, I'm like, why did I choose that instead of, let's say going into the world of powerlifting and mm-hmm. how like my body would have much better results with powerlifting just because of how I'm built and i also went to ohio state which has like one of the best gym recreational spaces in the entire country where i could easily do powerlifting or whatever right the access there it was unforgettable but instead, I chose to run a half marathon. And I'm like, part of that is because of that, un, like, I'm trying to meet the conventional beauty standard and, you know, lose weight, uh, instead of embracing what my body could do, which great. I mean, running a half marathon is also embracing what my body can do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder how much more joy I would have if I would have, gone to the gym and worked on strength training or power lifting or Olympic lifting more than running a half marathon, right? Um, And training for that process.
1: Well, you bring up a good point about joy then that we can create circumstances in which happiness can become joy. Mm -hmm. And then you learn to be joyful in all circumstances. You know, it doesn't Uh, but that part of joy is maybe when you're living in alignment with your makeup. Mm, Yeah. And that's a very broad statement, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, but your example is accepting and understanding who you are and what your design is Mm -hmm.
0: and living, living it fully. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day about, because with the the transition that's happening in my life, like what it kind of goes back to what we talked about last time with the scripts of life, like people talk about when we don't live authentically, our true selves, and that's when we can have difficulties, uh both physically and emotional, and then I was thinking like well, how would I define myself without the things that I do right mm-hmm. um, And I don't know if you've been thinking about that at all lately either. And I'm like, what is my true, authentic self? Like, I don't mm. think I actually know that answer. Yet, I did have a moment in
1: time where, um, I, I, you know, I became real to me that, gee, you can lose your license to practice, mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 you work so hard to get this darn. Uh, and maintain your PT license that I'm uh, like oh who would I be without that and um that my initial reaction was uh, you know anger and wanting to fight to to uh, not let that happen um which I guess I'm alluding to a story that I'm not sure I want to tell but I'm thinking it's gonna come to me yeah. um. Uh, that was a that was an experience that ha- helped me to realize I need to be okay with who I am t- regardless of what I do <clears throat> and I also figured out like helping people is what I love to do and I need to know how to do that without a PT license mm-hmm. if,
0: if, that because, if that happened,
1: yeah if yeah and and even today you know um, That if you, for whatever reason, I, I grow old and I don't renew it, you know, I'm gonna stop helping people.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. So I have other ways now to do it. Wow. Yeah. I feel like, um, yeah, in the healthcare system, I will say that the state, um, if you want to do things differently that puts you at risk.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I I've been saying a lot lately in the in the clinic like when I'm talking to people about like science has not caught up with what we're talking about and will we ever have technology to s- study or measure the energy and the connection between our brain and our body. Besides, I think the closest one that we have is heart rate variability, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. probably the closest technology and measurement that we can have in order to really see the difference between mind and body, or which is just a measurement of our nervous system. But anything beyond that, I mean, I say that now when new technology is being discover it every day so mm-hmm. I'm sure at some point maybe in my lifetime we will have some form of measurement um but it's it's frustrating when you're talking to patients and it's it even for myself too like when we're talking about like this is the process and we have to trust the process and yet we don't know a timeline we don't know if this is actually gonna help we don't know um you know, if you do XYZ, this is what will happen. And instead it's well for you it's XYZ, other people it's A B C and other people it's L M N and O. You know, like <laughs> it's it it's really frustrating when we don't have that. But that also allows for freedom, right? Freedom of choice, freedom of exploration, freedom of um intuition um guiding us. I think that's really helpful.
1: Yeah. And I was, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, the the story that led me to the experience of I could lose my license um, was around helping a patient. And. um, The person came in with a problem that wasn't getting better, like months. Uh, And. um, Oh, I did standard of care. And. Um, it didn't work. And we introduced um, myofascial release and the lady had a body memory come up and we explained it to her. Um, I did. And, um, the, and, uh, we thought it was good to go and she discharged herself. And by the way, she had gone through a an awful divorce and she was terribly angry, you know, and then this body memory. And at the same time, another therapist in town was in the paper and in in trouble for, um, you know, suggesting that the, that the pelvis had anything to do with the neck, which, excuse me, there's a connection between the pelvis and the neck. And <laughs> anyway, whatever, I don't know the guy's circumstance, but there was that suggestion in the paper, the lady filed a complaint. And um, I felt so confident that I had done the standard of care and, and that my, you know, the, the board of uh, physical therapy would support me. Well, um, they did not. They saw, I think it's because my justification, I used myofascial release, and, and particularly John Barnes, and they don't like him. Yeah. They didn't like him. And it was striking to me that one of the physical therapists on the board at the time was doing um, and teaching joint um, manipulation, even though it was illegal for PTs to do it in our state. So to me, that's a bl- a huge blind spot. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd written an article that force transfer uh, that's a person fell on their hand. And he said the force transfer ended at the elbow. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> like, buddy, did you fail physics? <laughs> Excuse <laughs> me and this is the guy who's judging me. Yeah. Um, it, it was a weak, it was a very weak complaint and my board didn't back me up Mm -hmm. and I got it. And I trusted the process. So after that, I got a really good lawyer and I, um, defended myself and, and it was, it was put aside. Um, ah, like, it just, it made me so angry. Like some of the things they wanted, they think they told me I needed to take a communication course. Mm -hmm. I was in the mentor program with Richard Moss at the time studying consciousness. Uh, I was getting my DPT. I mean, uh,
0: yeah, all the things that you should be doing and yeah, it's not enough.
1: Yeah. So then I realized, you know, this, this board, I, I understood at the time Um, that there was um, some unrest that people's complaints weren't being heard against the medical profession. So they needed to act on all of them. I'm like, okay, uh, medical professionals aren't being supported then. And we have these things now where, you know, like, like some of the places will do satisfaction surveys. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You know, some of the things that we have to say to people in, in the process of helping them make better choices they don't want to hear oh yeah right so I don't uh you know if somebody's getting uh all 98 percent or 90 percent ratings of of being liked something's wrong
0: yeah and I think in it probably not in all cases but in a lot of cases it might be um uh perpetuating the same problem they have, right? And maybe it's putting a band-aid on for now, but you know, it's gonna come back or or something else is gonna come back. And um and there's a difference, I think, between satisfaction in getting what you think you want versus satisfaction of addressing a problem, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to really put into place and understand how the problem, how the problem started and what we need to do about it. Um,
1: we have a, an expression in our family that we are turd in the punch bowl people. <laughs> <and my> husband. <laughs> And, you know, we're all at the party drinking out of the punch bowl, and we're the ones who go, do you see that turd floating in the punch bowl? (laughs) Nobody wants to hear it. (laughs) So you become the the scapegoat. They just want to drink the turd
0: and not have anybody tell them. Funny. (laughs) I have never heard that expression, but I do understand what what you mean.
1: And that's kind of what we do. I think you have that edge to you, too. Yes. But, yes. You, you know, I'm always, I am grateful for the people who have been that bluntly honest with me. Um, yeah. So um, that experience with that person, um, and I hate to bring it up because I don't want to invite anything like that again. I Like if uh, now we have release forms that tell people. Mm-hmm. Uh, very clearly what what we're going to do and if you don't want what we have don't come i i tell people i have a warning label maybe holistic if you don't want that you just tell me to shut up i have no problem with that don't come yeah (laughs) Uh, and we have haven't had any problems since and uh, i wish everybody well and i hope that lady's doing better and Wherever she is, but at the time, it made me realize: Wow, the thing that I've invested the most in in my life, professionally anyway, I could lose. Mm-hmm. And um, so, what makes me happy? What brings me joy? Yeah. And um, uh, I think that's why I've also clung to working the way that, that I have because that it really is. Uh, just the best to meet people at really critical points in their life mm-hmm. and be able to be there and listen.
0: And I think a lot of, especially what we do specifically, there is a potential delayed satisfaction or delayed joy. Um, Cause like my husband and I have finished coaching um, our softball team and um, we're not doing it anymore as of now, and who knows in years to come if we'll go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing, like the end was was hard. The end of the season was hard in many different aspects, and um, you know how much reflection that we've done as a couple and as coaches, and then getting all of the messages that we've been getting about, um, you know, not only the skill that we provide for, for the girls, and that we are truly there to develop these, these girls into athletes, but the amount of people that have said how much their daughter has gained as a person Mm. um, was, was, has been tremendous. I mean, we've had way more people reach out to us than I ever thought we would. Wow. And it's, you know, at first you can kind of feel bitter because you're like, well, this would have been nice to have this support, like while we were doing things, because how many times have I come home after practice and talking to Kurt and saying like, what are we doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? I'm not cut out for this. I I think I know what I'm doing, but obviously I'm not, you know, and you're, you're like having all these things because of that, that instant gratification or that joy that you thought it would give you is not happening. Um, and then when you step back or maybe we go it happiness, because again, we, we're kind of defining that happiness is conditional and joy isn't. And then, but you're like, there's something that keeps me co- coming back. Right. And maybe that is the joy then of helping people and being a role model for teenage girls who I what I didn't have growing up and um, someone who isn't afraid to cuss and be aggressive and also be very kind and compassionate at the same time right yeah um, and so and so it's like and that's the same thing in the clinic too right you know mm-hmm. just like that what person we talked about last week who you know he left for a year and then Sent a very beautiful message to you about all the things that you've done that have helped him get to this point. And that's the joy right there. The I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I am who I am. And someone embraced it enough to know that I'm going to make a difference. And that's what we got to keep, you know, clinging on to.
1: Yeah. That's it. Maybe that that's another. Way to define joy is that when you, when you make a difference.
0: Yeah. I, I think back to like where, when I have felt more joy or when I have felt more um, like validated, I guess is when mm-hmm. helping other people um, or most authentic to myself is helping other people. Um mm-hmm. That definitely has been a priority.
1: It would be interesting to have a cross section of people. Like, do they? uh, It's got to be why we went into the work that we did, that we just get such a charge out of making a difference for other people. But that's definitely um, an MO for me, a modus operandi. is like, if you need me, uh, I'm there. If your life's going well, i I don't get as involved,
0: <laughs> <laughs> which then maybe we're maybe we're um missing the joy right that is available <laughs> when we're when we can help people or be around people when they're not in so much need, you know? yeah
1: you know you really you know your professional training trains you to see the world in a certain way and Do you remember that going through physical therapy school and you start to look at everybody's posture and their physical makeup and it becomes how you look at people. Yes.
0: We're looking uh, at flaws and not, you know, meeting them where they're at. Right. Or like, yeah. Like, Oh, that guy has
1: venous insufficiency or venous insufficiency. That person has lip lip. Lipedema or lymphedema or oh my gosh look at that 100 <laughs> percent
0: um i wonder if
1: they know it i'm
0: gonna tell them <laughs> <laughs> i had a friend from pt school one of my best friends from pt school who every like week she would text me like a situation when she went to the gym and she's like i see another person like have a Trendelenburg sign. And I want to tell them so badly. And I would every time say, don't do it, Nina. Like, it's not, you know, they didn't ask for your opinion. (laughs) So,
1: so, you know, choosing what you're going to perceive it. And what, how else can we look at people? Besides their Trendelenburg sign, they're limp. (laughs) Yeah. 100 percent uh like i i've heard like um like not perceiving like how sometimes children don't see skin color and uh um like what would you really see in in some someone like there there's a there's something that people have been very sensitized to is skin color and what if we stopped seeing that i mean at least judging people by it
0: i think something to say about that is like we we can't completely not or we can't completely negate skin color and the fact of like we have to know the history right and we can't just erase history and how no. skin color has been something that has been so much used against coming back to our theme of joy, like denying joy to people based on yeah. their skin color. Um, and at the same time, moving forward, are we able to teach people that, um, that it, it doesn't matter, you know, like that skin care does, or skin color in the scheme of things as a person like doesn't matter and like finding the balance between not whitewashing everything and not erasing the history right and understanding cultural differences and that that is a huge connector of everybody um and at the same time we know that all the isms you know the are taught behavior right it's not uh, you're not born being a racist right you're not born being a homophobe okay. you're a homophobic you know like all that kind of stuff yes. well I'm I'm thinking
1: about this and um you know maybe the way I interpreted what I was taught in PT school was to judge these things mm. and see them as broken and, in, and needing fixing so there, there it's not really a parallel with skin color but it, it um, when we look at how people are different, what their shape or size or skin color, if we're judging it, yes, that that deprives us of joy instead of celebrating, wow, how neat you look yeah. um, and and i'll I'll deviate to lipedema. like I can't I, like the hardest thing to help people who have um obesity forms of obesity is to see themselves as beautiful. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's they just are judging themselves so harshly. And you know, they get judged out in the world too. So yeah. Um like if we could teach each other to celebrate our differences and to be fascinated
0: by them and that would probably bring more joy. <laughs> Yeah. I've been, I've talked about this physical therapist before. His name is Anthony Lowe and he um, has really helped me understand that the boxes that we put people in as a person and as physical therapists like can be harmful because Mm -hmm. we're trying to force them into a position or into a way of thinking or something like that, that, Research, maybe arbitrary, arbitrarily, has found to be the best way where, you know, all the Instagram f- people who are fighting over what is appropriate and what's not appropriate creates this can actually create more harm and create more dysfunction because we're trying to put people in these boxes. And yet, like, we can use the boxes as a way of, to guide us in decision making and critical thinking. And then we can deviate based on meeting the person where they're at now um, and how much more happiness and joy that they can bring people because they're like, Oh, I'm not being told that I'm the problem constantly. You no, know, I'm being told that society and, and the medical system might have a problem and I, they don't know what to do with me. So, um, so I thought, you know, that's another way to tie that into there too. There is, Probably
1: more to say about joy but i i think we hit a lot of the highlights that um create creating a life that aligns with who you are and what your makeup is can set the circumstances in which you're more likely to experience joy yeah. that uh and then eventually you have to recognize that the circumstances are not what creates the joy it's a state of being that you can tap into at any time and some of the ways we do that is celebrating what's around us celebrating who's around us um
0: and not needing it to be different Mm -hmm. i think with as my uh two dogs are just cuddling up with me right now. I think if I have to put it into joy into a couple words, it's get a pet. It doesn't have to be a dog. But oh my gosh, like these dogs they bring they do bring me so much joy and um and comfort. And um yes, they might be we call them poop heads sometimes <laughs> and uh and they could be frustrating at times like anything else. But uh I mean they're literally just laying here uh um and and finding comfort you know in me and, and they feel happy in this house and um, how much joy they give is definitely has is great it doesn't have to be a dog it could be any type of pet i'm I really feel like anybody can find some kind of pet that brings them joy. <laughs> Dogs are especially loving. Yes.
1: Uh, Well, thank you, Chrissy.
0: Yeah. Hmm. Maybe maybe we have time for one more. Yeah. And I think it ties into this because I love to eat and food brings me joy. Ah. If you could only eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, Oh,
1: that's so hard. I think it's the variety of it. Like I like pancakes and French toast. I like fresh bread out of the oven with butter. <laughs> yes. And uh, spaghetti is a great comfort meal, but all the time would be too much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I Anytime I have this question, I'm like, okay, what's something that's broad enough that I can make it however I want to? And I usually say then pasta, Mm -hmm. because you can make it, you know, I've made Mexican-style pasta, I've made Italian-style pasta, Mm I've made mac and cheese, you know, like...
1: I like the raviolis, yeah, the filled
0: (laughs) noodles. Mm. And you can make that any way that you want, so... Yeah. If I can have a... A type of food for the rest of my life, it would be pasta. For yeah. Sure. Well, that's a nice
1: generic. Yeah. yeah it, you're right. It can take many forms. Yes. <laughs> I was, I'm thinking about the, in Ayurveda, like one of the things that I've really been working at learning this year is um, to not. In one way, not be so food focused that food that joy can be found in other circumstances.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And yet in uh, in America, because we have had so much availability, we we food is a source of joy for for us and uh, um, and that also then creates some attachments that aren't necessarily in our best interest. Yeah. Um, so eating to sustain and then looking for joy out in the world uh, is a mind shift, a big one, but I, I love food. Yeah. It well, brings I me
0: think we the can point. then say like the joy is, you know, with friends and family and thinking your circumstances for allowing you to have food right like we I think we put a lot of emphasis on the food itself right and this is coming from someone who has had emotional eating tendencies for a very long time and yeah I'm getting so much better at that and when I think about what why food brings me joy it's more the circumstances than the actual food itself
1: well, and it's it's a very present moment. Eating a meal is like watching a kid or a pet, right? Mm-hmm. They just uh, watching little babies. It's just joyful. Remember, for a while there, Carson was bringing in her little girl. Oh, yeah, I could just look at her and smile.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: you know, a good plate of food can do the same thing. <laughs> yes, um, that just bring you right into the moment.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh everything else falls away
0: for sure
1: yeah
0: yeah perfect thank you so much for listening to this episode our group tends to have these fantastic discussions and we always ask ourselves why we haven't recorded any of them and now here we are if you are interested in more content we'll be releasing new episodes every other monday You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by searching Therapy Solutions P-L-L-C. That P-L-L-C is super important. This is the Rehab Within Reach podcast where all are encouraged to experience wholeness and independence. See you soon.